Welcome to a Clipper Chance podcast on fintech and capital markets. I'm Jack Hardman, accounts in Aldo Buy Office. I'm welcomed here today with Withak, a leading fintech in the Middle East region. We're talking about some of the issues affecting our clients in the fintech world today. With our presenting a one-stop platform for the issuance and administration of Sukuk, the Islamic equivalent of debt securities, and we're going to ask some relevant questions to that topic, talk about an overview. My colleague Rafi Kokar from the Clifford Chance Capital Markets team will also answer some questions on capital market-specific issues. I'll start the podcast by just giving my take on, on what WITHAC are doing in this area. I'm going to ask them to sort of validate that and add some high-level points for our, our um, clients and, and, and firms to take away. So in my understanding, WITHAC is, is a platform where an issuer can come and have its securities created, issued, and administered so in a one-stop environment where you are regulated to provide the full suite of activities that allow for the issuance, administration, clearing and settlement, and other matters relevant to, to securities framework in, in an automated environment. And what you're essentially doing is not only delivering efficiencies in that area, you're reducing the cost for issuers and broadening the market. And could you just highlight, confirm that, and, and highlight some of the key the key issues for people to be aware of your your platform? Yeah, sure. Thanks, Jack. Podcast. I mean, th- that's absolutely uh, right. So, what this means uh, for our tar- perhaps it's useful to go through our target clients, um, and to give a practical example of where uh, WeTag works. So, uh, it could be incumbent banks that want to use us to streamline work- workflows or to use us purely as a technology. Um, service provider to make more efficient and scale their existing operations or to bring additional revenue opportunities to them in that from that tail of clients that they currently either don't cover or are undercovered. So that's one customer type, um, which are the incumbent banks. You know, all those guys out there, the big bulge bracket firms and others who are covering the SSAs and others on a routine basis. So that's customer segment number one. Customer segment number two could be a private side only advisory team uh, that doesn't have this kind of bolt-on product factory ecosystem. And for them, we're an out-the-box solution, as you say, Jack. And then lastly, uh, for now, um, are the are the confident uh, corporate CFOs who perhaps want an alternative to being advised by a bank or who are simply not reached by banks for coverage capacity reasons. And for them, we present the full uh, ec- ecosystem workflows as you say, uh, constitution, issuance, administration, we connect with trading venues also uh, of, of their funding requirements. Thank you. Thank you, Ron. That's very great. Now, the, 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 I think the four, the four things that, that we take away from what, what your platform does, and I'll just elaborate on those, is first you, you, you apply legal technology. So when an issue comes to your, your platform and fills in the various fields online, template documentation as a sort of starting point to, to create that issuance of securities is created automatically. That cuts out a lot of um, administration and time and you have those documents that are using your sort of applied legal technology. And that's not particularly new, new to you, but your platform not only delivers that, but enhances it by automation. It says once those documents are created, your software can automate the execution of your obligations as paying agents, calculation agent, and other functions in order to administer those securities. You, you centralise that in an ecosystem whereby you are entirely responsible 
for the delivery of those functions and you're regulated to do that. So who's responsible? You are. Who does the regulator go to for accountability? You do. Um, if the, the automated function was to malfunction anyway, you're ultimately able to override that and, and deliver it. You're using that technology to create efficiencies rather than devolve what you're doing to a, 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 a you know, a, um, third party. And, and the, the fourth thing that we, we, we mention is, is that you interact with the real world, as you said, Ron, by your connection to the SWIFT network and other existing market infrastructure to allow the financial institution participants in your framework to engage with you straight away using traditional architecture, which you can listen in on through the quarter platform and other applications which you've developed. Is that, is that right? Yes, on, on the earlier point of uh, legal technology and, and the infrastructure that then executes what has been prepared with the legal technological solutions, it's really the, the heavy infrastructure for the delivery of security services that we are proud to be building. Uh, there are many contract managements out there. We use the one we build ourselves to extract the data that we require for a streamlined uh, performance of security services. This is uh, our priority and the prime functionality on the platform. Now, about connecting with uh, existing infrastructures. Due to the nature of our securities that are constituted on a centrally accountable ledger, that is a ledger we maintain, and the fact that we use uh, uh, fiat currency, we compile SWIFT payment and settlement instructions for the various parties to act upon, we do not end up in the fringes of the capital markets with uh, digital currencies and, uh, and uh, functions that would not possibly, perhaps would not meet the requirements of the principles for finan financial market infrastructures that we want to abide by. Well, that's very interesting. I think the, the, the big trend that, that I see in terms of um, your ability to interact with existing markets and, and Susan talks about in our seminar at Quick Chance today is, is you know, globally the regulators are really struggling, aren't they, with this concept of utility, to, of, sorry, um, cash being held on a blockchain, as it were, stable coins, which are really causing issues. And what you, you're, you're doing is, and you're one of the first to do this, if I'm not correct, is, is you're, step, you're, you're sidestepping that by your oversight of existing frameworks. You're not tokenizing cash. You're not tokenizing securities. You're creating efficiencies using the ledger, using the quarter DLT, another, another automation, but you're not, you're, not, you're not really ruffling the feathers of existing market infrastructure in that sense. Is that, is that right? Yes, and uh, for now we don't see the benefit of tokenization for registered securities that are uh, maintained on a central ledger. We don't see the benefit of trying to disintermediate custody with a combination of private and public keys. Maybe we can edit out that answer. Yeah. Ron, you want to give yours? So this is about yeah. connecting with existing infrastructure. Oh no, sorry. Yeah, about digital assets, and um, yeah, yeah. So. I mean, in our experience and conversations over the last uh, 18 months with regulators, that there's this pushback against um, non-fiat solutions. They had there's a lot of hype. Um, there was a sh very short-term uh, interest, but longer-term, is that the right uh, solution for institutional capital markets globally, where people are doing serious borrowing in fiat? in existing infrastructure and 
perhaps it's just a step too far at this point. Uh, so in our experience, what we've seen is that a system that builds on the existing uh, language of the regulator, fiat currencies, dematerialized securities, the, this is a system that can work sustainably into the future for institutional capital markets. And that's a fair point you yeah. raised, Ron. Yeah. <laughs> From a capital markets perspective, um, I think many of our listeners will be aware that the infrastructure in capital markets transactions mm-hmm. hasn't changed um, for a number of years now. One of the questions um, that came up earlier um, and I thought was worth sort of talking about a little bit more is in connection with your uh, connection of, to the existing infrastructure, um, the SWIFT GPI payment mechanism is one that's generated a lot of interest. Do you want to maybe talk a little bit about that and the implementation of smart clauses? Right. So in, in general, we connect with SWIFT. Uh, we are members of SWIFT. We have been onboarded as securities market infrastructure. And uh, many of the functions we need to carry out on our platform can be done with conventional messaging type. So MT1 for payments, MT5 for security settlement. Now there's this new innovation called uh, GPI link. Some of the listeners uh, may be aware of the GPI, so SWIFT uh, faster payment gateway. But now SWIFT together with R3 have developed GPI link. This is connecting um, DLT ecosystems with uh, GPI, with SWIFT uh, correspondent banking. Uh, This was announced earlier this year, presented in Cybos in London in September. And as far as we know, we were the first uh, FinTech to have used it in a prototype. We believe uh, we were given this opportunity by SWIFT because of the governance of our ecosystem. So unlike many other ecosystems that are peer-to-peer, ours is uh, centrally uh, organized with us being uh, responsible for regulating payments. So we decide who needs to make a payment. So in our ecosystem, we decide who makes uh, who has to make a payment and we communicate that to SWIFT and the banking system through GPI. I, I believe uh, uh, SWIFT is uh, considering taking that into production uh, some point next year, but I think it's, uh, they have to decide exactly the governance and the sharing of data. Technology is not difficult, we understand, but it's more about the governance. And that's certainly very interesting for, I think, issuers looking to avail themselves of um, fintech platforms um, for capital markets infrastructure. Uh, I suppose, moving on from that, um, what are your predictions in, for WeTap in particular and for the fintech capital markets infrastructure providers in general in the next five to ten years? Uh, so our prediction is that if we can bring you know, four to six or so um, fixed flavors or cookie cutter um, product to these markets, um, then we enable arrangers, borrowers and investors with more choice. Uh, from the perspective of an arranger, they can monetize that tail of clients that are undercovered. From the perspective of a borrower, they have a tool set that accesses for them the capital markets uh, without needing uh, to interact with traditional private side advisory uh, or uh, full banking services. And from an investor perspective, we hope it will bring more credits to the market and more investor choice. 
and perhaps more aspirationally in some emerging economies it will help them build a yield curve where there hasn't historically been one. So I think uh, this is uh, our prediction for the future and how WeTech uh, uh, can make a big contribution. Thank you, Ron. And from a fintech perspective, uh, I feel that platformization, if I may use that word, uh, will dominate. So uh, banks cannot work uh, alone in their siloed processes anymore, but rather they need to open up. And we've seen that happening in other financial services. Uh, there is good reason for that to happen in capital markets. So platformization with innovative ecosystem orchestrators like we want ourselves to become, uh, I think will uh, become the future of capital markets. Okay, so thanks, Tony. I think the, the final point I wanted to, to highlight is, is smart contracts. Where are we at with that? And how does your platform use them? M my understanding is the, the idea of smart contracts being automated by computer functions run on a public blockchain that's outside of your control is, not, is, is really not where the market's going in this area. What you're doing is essentially taking existing contractual terms and using your software to automate your execution of them which creates that, that efficiencies. Would you agree and, and where do you see that going in the future? Uh, that's exactly how we see it too. Uh, for us, uh, smart contracts, maybe it's a misnomer. We would call them smart clauses and them being one component of a legal tech stack. So it is another form of legal automation. It is not um, a new way for to, to replace the the, the accountable parties. So by deploying a smart contract on a public blockchain and saying this acts and self-executes beyond the control of the parties, and that is now a new legal entity, uh, we don't see uh, this happening, and that's why we see regulators not welcoming this idea. Rather, smart clauses for us are simply our back office. If something goes wrong, uh, we're responsible for them, and we're not, um, uh, we do not expect the other uh, participants to our ecosystem to be contracting with us in anything that resembles a smart clause. Great, thanks to me. That's been fascinating. So we've been Jack Hardman and Rafi Kokar at Clifford Chance, joined by Dimitrios Variakis, the Chief Product Officer at WIFAC, and Ron Akram, the Chief Markets Officer at WIFAC. Do log on online to see more activity from CC in this area at talkingtech.cliffordchance.com. Thank you. Thank you.